0: Hi, welcome. And we're on the uh, final part of our series today. Just want to give a warm welcome to everyone that's joining us for this final part of the series on the Holy Spirit. Wherever you're watching from, in the UK or around the world, we're so glad that you've joined with us today. My name's Andy Elms and I'm the lead pastor. In Family Church. And today we're celebrating actually our 52nd week of online broadcasts. It's a year ago that we had our uh, Empower conference, and then suddenly the following week after Empower, we went into what we know as lockdown and uh, everything we've experienced for the last 12 months. And I just want to give a public shout out to all of our media teams and all of those who have been involved in the technical departments of Family Church over the last 12 months. Every challenge that was thrown at them, they rose to it. And uh, we're just so thankful, aren't we? For everything that the guys behind the scenes uh, have been doing over the last 12 months. To just maintain that we've had a strong broadcast that's coming from Family Church into your homes. But we want to carry on today and finish off this, this series on the Holy Spirit. And we've been looking at the Holy Spirit living in us and the abilities that we can now know because he does if you want to go back and listen to any of the previous sessions that we've done in this series, maybe you're watching and this is your first time at Family Church, you can go back and watch the previous four and any of our other recordings, our Bible studies on Mondays or our talk in church program on Tuesdays, just simply by going to our website, Family. Dot church. Now we've been on this incredible journey together and I hope that you've got a lot out of this journey. I know I have as I've been preparing and praying for this last few weeks. The Lord's been doing great things in me and I hope he's been doing the same in you. Just to recap briefly on the journey that we've taken, we've looked at God's plan of salvation Included saving us, but also empowering us, repositioning us in the new creation and being children of God, but also reconnecting us to his life and power now within. We saw how the prophets and Jesus foretold the coming of the Holy Spirit, that he would be with us and he would be in us. We saw that how the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost was never recalled and still lives and fills the lives of believers today how we now host and have the privilege of hosting the indwelling remaining presence of the Lord in our lives. And then we finished last week really with the conclusion that, yes, the Holy Spirit is now living in us and desiring to lead us and empower us for our daily lives. But today I want to finish by looking now beyond us and understanding that the Holy Spirit is in us for our benefit. This is true. We've spent a lot of time on this over the last few weeks. But he's also on us and with us for the benefit of others. God desires to minister. What do we mean by minister? Help and bless others. Through our lives that are now filled with Him. What I'm saying is that Christianity, your walk with the Lord, your um, hosting the presence of the Holy Spirit is not just about you. Yes, you will be blessed in all that the Holy Spirit does in you, how He leads you, how He instructs you, how He empowers you for your life. That's beautiful. But let's never forget that He's also now filling our lives with His power, His life, and His presence for the benefit of others we could put that this way this morning to help us understand he's on us for us but he's in us or he's in us for us and he's on us for others and they're both the same he's in us for our benefit but let's never lose sight that he's also on us for the benefit of other people again this was something that Jesus modeled And exemplified in how he lived out his life, being led by the Spirit, being empowered by the Spirit. We've looked over the last few weeks at that moment at his baptism, where he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit leads him off into a wilderness where he's tempted in every way for 40 days. And then it says of him that he sinned not, but then he was he came out of that time of wilderness or testing in the power. Of the Holy Spirit, then we see him enter a temple and read from a scroll. And I want to pick up that part of the storyline today. Remember, he's been baptized, he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. The heavens were rent in the beginning of Luke, and suddenly the Holy Spirit, like a dove, had come upon him, not just to be on him, but to remain with him. And then the Holy Spirit led him to this time of tempting, this time of trial. But the devil couldn't do a thing to make him fail. And then he came out of the power of the Holy. Holy Spirit the next thing that he does is go into the temple to do a reading which was the custom of that day and I want to pick up this moment of what happens that when Jesus now filled with the Holy Spirit comes into the temple to read from the scrolls specifically the place in the book of Isaiah it says in Luke chapter 4 verses 16 to 21 he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue As was his custom, he stood to read. It was his time. Everyone had a time to go to the temple, to go to the synagogue. Everybody was an appointed a time to read the scriptures. This was his moment. I love it that God does everything in his perfect timing. It says, he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He didn't pick this book. He didn't pick this section. It was preordained. He was handed the book of Isaiah from the prophet Isaiah. And unrolling the scroll or unrolling the scriptures, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, bring a message to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight to those who are blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, to proclaim jubilee, to be preaching and declaring freedom, to be saying, come on, freedom to those who are oppressed, freedom to those who have been captive, to sickness, disease, um, every other thing that can hold a person captive. Then it says in verse 20, then he rolled up the scroll and gave it to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the temple was fastened on him. And then he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled before you. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your sight. What was Jesus saying? These verses that I've just read from Isaiah, the prophet, declaring that the spirit of the Lord would be upon someone to bring freedom and liberty to the lives of others. Today, This is happening right here, right now. What was he saying to the Pharisees and the Sadducees? It's me. It's me. I am that person that Isaiah was speaking of, prophesying of. Now, the Pharisees were outraged. Now, when you read on, you see that they got really bent out of shape, really outraged at what he was saying. Not what he'd read from scripture, but his declaration of being the person that now had the spirit of God upon them, with them to see freedom come into the lives of others. Now, they may have got upset or bent out of shape, yet he was only telling them the truth. He knew that the spirit was now with him, on him, to help other people, to benefit other people. Jesus knew that this moment his ministry had started, he was now going to benefit other people by bringing liberty and freedom, heaven's liberty, liberty and freedom into their lives as well. It was this moment that we begin to see Jesus then minister. He was around 30 years old at this point. That was the time where in Jewish custom, a young man would start ministry. Jesus was 30 years old and the next three years would be very profound. He would spend the next three years, three and a half years, ministering to other people, releasing the life of the Holy Spirit that was now remaining with him, operating in the power of the Spirit. Seeing the sick healed, bringing freedom and restoration to people's lives, and you read on through the the Gospel of Luke and through every other Gospel—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—and you see it's from this moment in time where Jesus began to heal the sick. He began to see lepers made whole. He began to empty coffins. He began to step into situations that seemed impossible, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that was now abiding on him and in him, bring. Liberty to every person who was experiencing any form of captivity. Now, I've got a real wake up call again, another mic drop moment for us today. We too have been called to do this. The same spirit that was in him and on him and with him is in us and on us and with us today. And Jesus actually said we wouldn't do the same things as him. In fact, we would do more you say no that's outrageous Andy no listen to what it says in John 14 and remember John 13 14 15 is all around the moments when Jesus is foretelling or telling his disciples of the coming of the Holy Spirit he says this verily verily or truly truly (coughs) I tell you whoever believes in me not ministers preachers pastors whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing What what is he speaking of? He's speaking of the works of miracles, the works of sin, the sick healed, the captives released, the demonically oppressed liberated. He says, those who believe in me will do the works I've been doing. But then he goes and makes another statement, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going now to the Father. Now Jesus wasn't speaking about those present on the earth alone he was speaking of every believer that would be filled with his Holy Spirit having an expectation that our lives aren't just benefited personally by the indwelling of the Spirit but our lives are now to bring freedom freedom and wholeness to others because of God's Spirit now in us. To do the same would be enough right when I read through what Jesus did, the different instances of the woman with the issue of blood, the the funeral procession that was stopped, the life that was given back, the hope that was restored. You could read that and say, well, Lord Jesus, please let me just equal what you did. But Jesus said, no, greater things are you going to do because I'm going off to the father. Now, when Jesus ministered, helped other people, ministered can be a strange word if you're new to Christianity. When Jesus helped or assisted other people to become free, he had a confidence within him from knowing that the Holy Spirit lived in him and was now on him to set people free. Now, when we speak of the Holy Spirit, we're speaking of the same Holy Spirit that we read about in the opening books of Genesis. You see, the confidence of Jesus was he knew that he wasn't just flesh and blood, but he was um, an earthly container like you and me, but he also knew he contained the Holy One of heaven, the spirit of the living God. And his confidence wasn't in what his flesh could do, but in what the Spirit of God who was now living with him and was upon him would do to bring freedom to others. You've got to understand this is the the same Holy Spirit that we're speaking of, that it speaks of in Genesis, was hovering over void at the very opening chapters of creation, that when God spoke, his word went forth. Jesus is the word of God. And then it says the Holy Spirit would create out of nothingness things in accordance to what the Father had spoken. This same Holy Spirit that we read about in Genesis, this same Holy Spirit that came upon Gideon and Samson, this same Holy Spirit that rose Christ from the dead is the same Holy Spirit that was in Christ as he helped others and is in us, upon us and with us today as we decide to live beyond ourselves and see others minister to, blessed and set free. Now, Jesus knew it was not him doing it in his earth suit. It wasn't the physical Jesus in his earth suit that was creating or causing these miraculous things to happen. He was simply doing two things. Number one, he was doing what the father told him to do. Many times you read through the gospels that Jesus said, I don't do anything. I don't see the Father do. Again, in creation, in the book of Genesis, the Father spoke, Jesus being the word of God went forth and the Holy Spirit would fashion things or bring things to pass according to the word spoken from the Father. In the same way now, Jesus is giving tribute and celebration to the Trinity of who the Godhead was, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Jesus said, oh no, I only do what the Father says I'm to do. I only go where the Father says I'm to go. So Jesus was committed to being obedient to what the Father said to him. But then also he knew that the ability to do what the Father had asked him to do wasn't coming from his physical frame, but rather from the Holy Spirit that was now remaining and living with him and in him. That same spirit now on us. So he had an expectancy when he prayed for people in need, that their needs would be met. He had an expectation that when he prayed for sick people, they would become well. When he prayed for people who were being bound by one thing or another, they would experience liberty. His confidence was in what the Father was saying, but also in what the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, was doing in him and through him for the benefit of others. We need to change our expectations. We need to begin to believe to see others in our world touched by the life and the power of God, when we take time to pray for them we've got to stop ignoring and giving their theirs to people we've got to begin to find a courage and a confidence that comes from the holy spirit to begin to say hey the same spirit that was in jesus that healed the sick then is the same spirit that now is in me and the agenda of the father's heart remains the same that none would perish remember always look to the fingerprints to what you can expect john 10 verse 10 says it's the thief that comes to kill steal and and destroy wherever anybody's being killed they're being stolen from or they're being destroyed that is not the fingerprints of father god that is the fingerprints of the one that the bible says is the thief, which is the devil but then jesus comes in verse 10 and says no let me show you my fingerprints i come that you would have life and life in all abundance so we need to change our expectations we should purpose now Over the four weeks, all that we've studied together, the journey that we've taken must bring us to this conclusion that we want to now live lives that are filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can know what it is to be clothed in power for the benefit of others I love what it says in Judges 6 verse 34 of Gideon it says this in the uh, uh, the ESV version it says the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon I like that translation but I prefer the translation called the Jubilee translation where it says this the spirit of the Lord clothed himself with Gideon isn't that a powerful verse that the spirit of the Lord clothed himself with the mortal man called Gideon to achieve incredible supernatural things on the earth. Listen, the Holy Spirit wants to clothe himself with you and me. Doesn't matter how young you are, doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter what denomination church you go to. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit living in us now wants to clothe himself in us for the benefit of others. What I'm speaking about today is overflow. We've spoken about our lives being filled and the benefit of our lives being filled. But what happens when the filling of God in our life begins to overflow Flow from our life. I tell you what happens, other people begin to receive healing and miracles and benefits more than words. The Apostle Paul said, I don't come with words alone, but I come in the demonstration of power and authority that comes from the Holy Spirit that now remains in me. The Bible instructs us, and we've gone over this the last few weeks, that we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians says that we're to be be being filled, continually filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, when we read that verse and the train and, and 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 the train of his robe fills the temple again that's a continual ongoing experience when you read that in its original context it says oh the the, the reign of the, the the robe of of christ begins to fill the temple but keeps on filling the temple it's a never-ending filling because he's a never-ending god we've got to understand that the filling of the holy spirit in our life isn't for a moment it's an ongoing filling just as the robe of the of, of christ the robe of the king fills the temple so the holy spirit is continually filling our life which brings us to a place of being filled now we're not filled until we overflow if i had a glass of water here today in a jug i could pour it and you could say that's filled that's not filled yet we could get closer to the top you could say that's filled no it's not filled yet it's not filled yet when would it be filled at the moment it begins to overflow and no longer be able to contain that which is filling it? Listen, the Holy Spirit wants to so fill our lives with His life and with His power that it cannot be contained. Remember the Bible says that God gives His spirit without measurement. We need to reach a point that we 're no longer Christians. Reach into the bottom of a barrel to find the last few drops to help us make it through the week but rather we're so walking with the Lord, so in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, that his life, his power, his ability is flooding our daily worlds, not when we're in a meeting, not when we're gathered together in church, but in our private times at home, we're being so filled, so filled with the Holy Spirit, that our lives are now overflowing. I love what it says in Psalm 23, when it says, my cup runneth over. You see, God is a God of increase. God is a God of overflow. God is not a God of just merely enough to do what's needed. It says in Ephesians 3 verse 20 unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly far above what you can imagine or dream in your wildest dreams. God isn't the God of nearly enough. He's the God of the overflow but we've got to now come to a point where we're not just seeing the filling of the Holy Spirit for our own lives or for our benefit but that the overflow of the Spirit of God in our life would be that which blesses the lives of others now again this starts with acknowledgement where does this start it starts by believing that he is now in you and that he wants to benefit others through you it's about you believing that yes you are an earthen vessel what you see in the mirror is an earthen vessel from dust you came and from dust you will return but that's not the point of what we're speaking about you may be an earthen vessel but the bible is declaring over you today that you are a container that holds the treasure of heaven the person and the power of the holy spirit which means you can lay hands on your children when they're sick come on let's give some application to this you can pray for your children when they're sick you can pray for your neighbors when you tell they tell you you're sick you You can pray for them and have an expectation that the life of God that now fills you will bring a benefit to them. We've got to start believing this, guys. We've got to start believing that this is more than theory. That the Holy Spirit now lives in us and wants to overflow from the cup of our life for the benefit of those in need. That's what happened with the ministry of Jesus. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, and you will do the same. Now, we've got to cross a line together today. Will we cross a line that says, I believe that the Holy Spirit is now in me and he wants to touch the lives of others through me? Because here's some natural examples that I thought of. If you don't believe you have money in your wallet, you'll never get your wallet out. And we all know people like that, right? If you don't believe you have money in your wallet, you'll never get your wallet out to pay a bill or to settle the bill at a restaurant. If you don't believe, if you don't believe that you have money in your bank account, you'll never write a cheque. If you don't believe or think that there's a battery in your car, you'll never turn the key and try and get your car to start. See, it's the acknowledging of what's in the content of something that causes the expectation and the manifestation of what is actually present. If you believe you've got money in your wallet, you won't be scared to get your money out, your wallet out. If you believe that you've got money in your bank account, you won't be scared to write a check. You won't hesitate to write a check. If you believe that the battery in your car works perfectly, you won't hesitate to start the engine of your car if you believe that the Holy Spirit is now filling you and doesn't just want to fill you but wants to overflow your life you'll begin to lay hands on the sick and you'll begin to see them healed you'll begin to speak to people that are experiencing captivity and see the power of those demonic things that are binding those people's lives let them go in the same way that Jesus did and the disciples that first followed him 2,000 years ago we've got to begin to stand up and say we will not be a powerless church we will not be a powerless As people, I'm going to be more committed to praying for the benefit of others than ever before. Now, we've got to understand that our lives have been called by God to now release His life and ability to overflow for the benefit of others beyond ourselves. Number one, three things. If you're making notes, number one, you can know a boldness when sharing Jesus with others. Now, you can know a boldness that's not your own. Now, this is actually one of the primary purposes, it's actually the primary purpose of what we read in Acts 1, verse 8. It says, But you will receive, again, these are the words of Jesus not to the disciples then but to you and me as well but you will receive power that word power dunamis also means force or ability you will receive force and ability when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem Judea Samaria and even to the ends of the earth being a witness is one of the primary purposes of the Holy Spirit now empowering us with his own life it's not about us merely rolling around on the floor in meetings experiencing goosebumps or tingles when the Holy Spirit moves in a meeting through the manifest presence of God rather it's us now saying I'm going to be a soul winner I'm going to be somebody who isn't ashamed to share his faith with other people and I'm going to do it with a boldness that comes from within me that's provided by the Holy Spirit. Now we've got to understand that he provides everything that we need to be able to do the things he's asking us to do. Remember what happened with Jesus? The father spoke. And when the father told Jesus to do something, Jesus did it with the ability of the Holy Spirit. Now, listen to what Jesus says in Luke 12. Let me read these verses to you. This is what he said to the first disciples when he was sending them out. Now, when they bring you to the synagogues and the magistrates and the authorities... Don't worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say in those moments. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour the things you ought to say. Can you see what Jesus is teaching here? Don't worry about being in situations where you don't think you know what to say. The Holy Spirit will always give you the ability. He's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. So number one the Holy Spirit gives us a boldness to share our faith. Number two he gives us the power and the ability to see the sick healed and people set free when we pray for them. He wants us to release his power into the lives of others to see them healed and set free now we can't dust over this stuff we can't pretend that Jesus didn't say this stuff it's as much in the gospels as every other theory or theology or, or statement that you believe Jesus said I'm not just saving you I'm enduring you with power I'm sending you into the world to do the things I did but you will actually do greater things than me come on we need to get excited about this stuff stop trying to excuse this stuff or deny this stuff and begin to say yes holy Spirit, begin to do through me things that benefit others. Let me see people healed when I pray for them. Let me see people set free when I pray for them. Now, look at the instructions he gave to the first disciples. And let's realize that these are also our instructions, too. Matthew 10, these are just a few um, scriptures that I'm grabbing this morning. Matthew 10, verses 7 to 8. As you go, proclaim this message the kingdom of heaven has come near to you that's the message short message this is one of Jesus's shortest messages just a matter of words he said all right disciples I'm sending you into your world now here's the message you're ready it's not going to take a lot of remembering make notes if you need to here's the message the kingdom of heaven is among you now and then he said and once you have preached the message that simple message the kingdom of heaven the presence of God the power of God is now among you heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you've received, now freely give. These are the words of Jesus in his commissioning to us of how we should live when we encounter need in the lives of others. That's not just for church leaders. It's easy to say, oh, he was speaking to church leaders. No, he was speaking to every believer. Listen to what it says in Mark 16, verses 17 to 18, which are other great commission verses. And he says, and these signs and these things will accompany or follow not church leaders, those who believe, those who believe. In my name, they will drive out anything demonic, every oppression of the devil, every fingerprint of the devil. They will drive it out. They will bring freedom to people. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it won't harm them. Now, please don't go handling snakes or drinking poisons. That's idiotic. What he's saying is if anything come to harm you, it won't harm you when you have confidence of the life that's now in you that doesn't mean we test God by handling snakes or drinking poison that's foolishness what Jesus is saying is if you get bit by a snake if something comes that's deadly to harm you it won't harm you why because of the life of God now in you but this is the bit I want to get to it says um, it won't hurt you you will place your hands on sick people and you will heal them they will get well. So what Jesus said. I'm not making this up. I'm not reading from an amplified version. This is the NIV I'm reading through. You will lay your hands like jump leads that are connected to a live battery on sick people and they will get healed. You didn't do it. You can't heal a fly of a head cold. But the power of the life and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's now in you and overflowing from your life is the bread that feeds the hungry children. It's the power that causes sickness to leave, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Come on, let's begin to get excited about this stuff. This is about his power or his virtue now in us benefiting others. I love the account of Luke 8 verse 46 where it says Jesus is on his way pushing through a crowd. It says the crowd were thronging him. Then all of a sudden a little lady with a need, she had an issue of blood. There shouldn't have been in the crowd. One, because she was bleeding and two, because she was a woman. Push through the crowd. When you get hungry for a miracle, nothing will stop you. And it says without warning, she touched the hem of his garment. And instantly, virtue left his body, anointing, power, the ability of the Holy Spirit left his body. He didn't see her creeping up behind, but he knew something, he knew someone had touched him in faith. And in that moment, he turned to her and said, Who touched me? And the disciples said, How can you say that? You're surrounded. He said, No, 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 no. Someone made a withdrawal. Somebody saw me as a container of God, someone saw the treasure within the earthen vessel. And they touched me with a touch of faith. They made a withdrawal on the bank of the anointing or power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And this little lady said it was me. She said, don't be embarrassed. I applaud you. Well done. We've got to understand that God has put that virtue, that same power of the Holy Spirit is alive in us. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is now contained in us but needs to now go to the next step of overflowing from us. Again, when you read through the life of the disciples from that moment, so many unusual, strange things began to happen. It says that they would line people up in the street. Now, there wasn't a doctrine, there wasn't an announcement, the um, followers of Jesus are coming to town, line the people up in the street so that their shadow can fall on them. This was just random crazy stuff that was happening. Somebody got touched by a a, a shadow, so suddenly it became a theology. So when they were coming to town, they were going, quick, The, the followers of Jesus are coming, even when their shadow touches you. And a shadow has no substance in itself you get healed. And people were laying out their sick people. They were getting touched by shadows and people were getting healed. It says that they came to Paul and Paul was making tents and he'd be sweating as he was making tents. And people would say, could we have your head, your handkerchief, your headscarf, your apron? And Paul said, yeah, do what you want with it. And his sweat was on it. And they would take his apron and his handkerchief and his headscarf to people that were sick. And when they put these handkerchiefs and aprons upon the sick people, the sweat of poor from his daily labor the anointing that was on that and the connection of faith that a person had that that man is not just a man he's got the Holy Spirit in him began to let sick people get out of sick beds crazy stuff was happening in the book of Acts we need to get that crazy stuff back not just on our stages but in the daily lives of the followers of Jesus Christ that we need to believe yet I'm going to live with such a filling in my life you can take my t-shirt and put that on someone that's. Sick if you want. You can have all of my old socks. You can have all of my old handkerchiefs. I'm not going to give them to charity anymore. I'm going to give them away. Come on, let's begin to realize it's not about the container. It's not about the clothes. It's about the one who now lives in us that is now going to overflow us for the benefit of others. So God wants us to begin to move in power, church. We want to not be the church that's in the book of Timothy that has no power, but rather, come on, you say, but what happens when you pray and nothing happens? I I've had those moments but I'm not going to stop praying because Jesus told me I had to keep praying. I've not seen everyone get the miracle I prayed for. I've not seen every person healed like like Jesus did When, but I'm not going to stop because I'm heading towards a direction that I will. Whatever God's doing in me I'm saying Lord do more in me do more in me that my life could be a moment where people can connect with you. I don't want people to meet Andy Elms. I want them to meet the Holy Spirit that's living in Andy Elms. Andy Elms can't help anyone but 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 the Holy Spirit that's now living in Andy Elms and living in you can give a person that's got a need, whether it's demonic restriction or physical healing that's needed, can give them everything from the throne of God that they need. We've got to begin to see ourselves beyond the flesh and blood of what we are to be in cups that now overflow with the life and the ability of the Holy Spirit. Also, one other thing I want to just bring in at the ending is we release peace. We release peace. You see, the spirit of God now living in us is the peace of heaven. We need to understand that, again, this is something that's in us for us, but also in us to come from us for others. You've got the peace of God living in you. Now, listen, John 14, says, my peace I leave with you. This is Jesus again. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you because the world gives and takes away. Jesus says, I'm giving, but I'm not taking away. I give you a peace. It's not like the peace that the world enjoys. This is heaven's peace. This is the shalom of heaven that's now living in you. Isn't that wonderful? But then listen to Matthew 10. Matthew 10 is a great book for how he sent his disciples. But it says in Matthew 10, verses 12 to 14, as you enter the home, Of a person, give it your greeting. Imagine that if I turn up at your house. Hi, house. He said, when you turn up at a person's home, give it your greeting. Now, listen to this. If a home is deserving, let your peace, the peace that God's given you, rest on it. If it's not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, town, city, house, leave that home or town and shake the dust off of your feet. Listen to what Jesus is teaching his first disciples in Matthew 10. He says, when you turn up, you can release the peace of the Holy Spirit. that's in your life, on on the atmosphere in the room and on other people in the room. But if if they're not, like what it says, when you're there, um, if they're not deserving, it can return to you. Isn't that amazing? Do you know what I think of when I think about this? That God wants us to be peace releasers in environments that we can go into other people's homes and go I just released a piece of God in this home and it can end quarrels it can end marital problems it can end uh, parent and child relationship problems there's a peace, a very real supernatural peace that the believer carries not only do we carry it so we can enjoy it ourselves but we also release it for the benefit of others now, the Holy Spirit, again, we looked at the comparisons of the Holy Spirit to physical things last week. One of the things that the Holy Spirit is compared to is a dove. We know that, that he came like a dove when Jesus received that initial infilling of the Spirit when he was baptised. But a dove is a, a symbol of peace, isn't it? Whenever you look at a dove, it's a symbol of peace. Fire isn't a symbol of peace. dove is a symbol of peace. It means a peace is accompanying a dove. Now, our life should be so filled with his peace and his presence that his peace overflows from our lives. But also we can release our peace. Let the peace of God be released into this situation. And if a person is deserving, that peace that comes from the spirit of God in us will rest on them. I heard this uh, once and I really liked it. That A dove is always looking for a new place to land. We need to realize that we're carriers of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in the context of him being a dove, peace, is always looking for a new place to land. We need to be people who are releasing the dove, releasing the peace of God into homes, into people, into towns and into villages. And if they're deserving, that peace will remain. But the Bible says if they're not, that peace will come back to us. That reminds me of Genesis chapter 8. Verses 8 to 12, that moment of Noah releasing the dove. Isn't that similar what Jesus is teaching to that moment in Genesis 8? It says that they didn't know whether the waters had subsided or not. So firstly, they sent a raven. But then it says that um, he began to send a dove out. And if the dove returned, he knew that the waters hadn't subsided. But then it says in verse 12, he waited seven more days and sent the dove out again. But this time it did not return to him. In the same way that Noah released a dove that would return if there was no landing place, but would remain and not return if there was. In the same way, this is what Jesus is teaching in the book of Matthew regarding us releasing the peace, not just the power of God to the sick and to those in need, but also the peace of God. We need to be peacemakers. We need to be peace releasers and know that if they're deserving, the peace will remain. But if they don't, that peace that we've released will come back to being in our world. Isn't that incredible? Now there's many other things that we could speak of, but I want you to concentrate on these things. The Holy Spirit wants to overflow from your life in giving you boldness to be a witness for him. The Holy Spirit wants you to begin to lay hands on the sick. He wants you to begin to pray for those who are bound. He wants you to begin to pray for those who are imprisoned by things that come from the enemy. He wants you to begin to lay your hands on them. But I've got to ring a pastor. No, you haven't. You've got to believe that the Holy Spirit is in you, and the same spirit that rose christ from the dead now calls you home you now host his presence and because you understand you're hosting his presence you're not scared to pray for people and you have a full expectation that they will recover these are exciting things okay let's bring this in for a landing it's not just that we're empowered and sent but also we're fully equipped god gives us everything we need to help others Number one, we've received the Holy Spirit. Number two, we can know the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So number three, the Holy Spirit brought his toolbox with him. We call those things the gifts of the Spirit. Now, when we read through 1 Corinthians 12 verses 1 to 11, it speaks of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, these are different from the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine gifts of the Spirit and there's nine fruits of the Spirit. The nine fruits of the Spirit are grown in your life as you live a life yielded to the rule and reign of the Holy Spirit. His character, the character of God, becomes the character of your life. That's the fruit of the Spirit. But the Bible also tells us of the gifts of the Spirit. And it's like if you had a plumber come to your house, it's great that the plumber came. But if he didn't bring his toolbox, you'd say something's missing. The things that are needed to cause the repairs are not with you. The Holy Spirit has come to live in you, but he's also brought his toolbox. And they're not just tools, but they're power tools, things that give us the ability to minister And help others not just within the four walls of the building of our church but actually in the highways and the byways that we're not going to in this um, final session talk about the gifts of the spirit. Because we actually don't need to. In family church, we're speaking about the gifts of the Spirit on Sunday night now. If you tune into one of the Sunday night locals, SNL, in any of the congregations, all of the pastors are doing a series now on the Believer's Toolbox. And the Believer's Toolbox is all about knowing what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are and also how you have a right to use them and how you can use them. So I just want to highlight today that the Holy Spirit comes, but also He brings all. All the tools, not just tools, but power tools with him to enable us to be able to prophesy, discern, uh, lay hands on the sick, see people set free. And he wants to help us to understand how to use those tools. And as we walk with him each day, that's what happens. Now, like Jesus taught us to do, we need to unroll the scroll over our life. Let me finish where we started. We started with Jesus in the temple making this incredible declaration, the spirit of the Lord is upon me now. And he has anointed me and equipped me to bring prisoners out of captivity, to see sick people healed, to see those who are captive set free, to proclaim freedom and liberty. My friends, if we're going to see this world changed, we've got to begin to unroll the scroll over our own lives. And begin to do, remember we're not being presumptuous. Jesus said, greater things will you do. We need to today conclude this series on the power being turned on in our lives by unrolling the scroll like Jesus did over our lives like he did with his. But we begin to declare the spirit of the Lord is upon me and overflowing from me to see the freedom come to captives and prisoners released as we turn the power of God on in our lives yes we are benefited but that's where people in the world around us who are sick struggling confused depressed begin to experience the freedom of the power of God in their lives flowing through the earth and the dust of the container of who you are Flows from you the treasure of heaven for the liberation of people. We want to be a power filled people who aren't weird, spooky, or scary, but equally a people that don't deny the power. We want to be the opposite to the church that was mentioned in my first session, that's talked about in 2 Timothy chapter 3, where it said there'll be a church in the end times that has a form of godliness. But denies the power thereof. Listen, family church isn't going to be that church. And I hope whatever church you're leading and you're a part of isn't going to be that church. Rather, we're going to be a church that looks like the church, sounds like the church, acts like the church and has the power of the church. Remember, our church may be 23 years old family church, but actually we're not. We're over 2,000 years old because we're a part of the same church that Jesus Christ opened the doors of 2,000 years ago when he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. It's a church that comes with truth and it's a church that comes with power. Listen, the church is not the building. The church is not the meeting we attend. The church is the people. You You are the church. You are the temple of God. God no longer fills buildings made by men with his presence but he fills his people you and me with his holy presence so that our lives can be blessed that's about him being in us but also our lives can be an incredible supernatural blessing to others that's him on us the lord bless you we're going to pray as we close today if you're here today and you've never given your life to jesus Just say amen after me when I pray this prayer today. Then after that, stick around just for a couple more minutes because I'm going to pray for every believer that's watching that you begin to see the power of the Holy Spirit begin to operate in your life, that you begin to feel the fire of God within your life like you've never felt before. Firstly, let's pray for those who have never received Christ. Just say amen after me when I pray. Father, I thank you today that your son died on the cross for me. He died for me and as me. He died that my old man could be removed and a new man could be born, that I could be born again. Thank you for forgiving all of my sins. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you that my salvation is found in you alone, Jesus. I call you Saviour. Amen. Amen. So if you've never prayed a salvation prayer or you've been away from God, pray that prayer. Say amen with me now. Amen. Amen. Amen send me an email, let me know what you did, andy at family.church. Right, okay, now let's pray one more time for every person that's watching this that we would all experience the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit today that wouldn't fill us halfway, three quarters, but overflowing. And out of the overflow of the Holy Spirit, we would begin to pray for our children like never before. We would begin to pray for our neighbours like never before. We'd be walking around looking for opportunities to pray for people, not in a weird or spooky way, but in a natural way, but in a natural way that releases the power of God from the one who's living in us into the need or the point of contact That they're desperately in need of god for father i pray today for every person watching this lord let us be filled with your holy spirit let us be filled with your holy spirit fill us a fresh holy spirit fill us a fresh holy spirit Oh, fill us to overflowing. Let our cup runneth over, Lord. Lord, let our cup runneth over. Father, we thank you that you fill us to overflow. Lord, I pray overflow in people's lives today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would rise within them with such a groundswell, such an internal flooding. It would be like a house, a, a pipe that burst in the kitchen, that the house would begin to be flooded with your presence and your power. Holy Spirit, fill the Every one of us today afresh, not that we can be blessed alone, but that our lives could now be a touching point, a point of contact for others to experience your life and power too. Amen. Hey, the Lord bless you. Next week, we're going to be coming together again for another moment of Sila. Sean and Paula are going to be helping us to digest again this series that we've just finished, a moment where we pause for thought. Happy Mother's Day. See you soon.